Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined by Dave Simone. Dave, back in the saddle after a uh, special episode last night discussing the chaos going on in college basketball with uh, Brian Snow of Scout.com and Bobby Reagan of BarstoolSports.com, Barstool Rags. If you uh, haven't checked out that podcast, make sure you give it a listen. It is a good one and covers a lot of the uh, issues that are going on in college basketball over the past couple days. But today... It's time to take our look, our weekly look at the Cincinnati football opponent. This time, it is the Marshall Thundering Herd, a school near and dear to my heart. After spending some time at Marshall as a uh, undergrad in the lovely city of Huntington, West Virginia, and uh, Dave, we have a guest today. We are joined by Paul Swan, and Paul, welcome into the show. Hey guys, appreciate you having me. Is the union still in Huntington? Does the play, is that place still open? Hey, not only is the union still in Huntington, Herb Stanley is still the proprietor, and it is better than ever. Wow. I might or might not have been underage and consumed some beverages at the union. I won't <laughs> tell Herb. I, I, was, I, I was pledging SIG up at the time, so nobody said a word. <laughs> the, the union is a Huntington institution, for those of your listeners that don't know. It's the bar to go to. If you're a Marshall fan, it's the place to go just because Herb has been doing it for so long. You go in there, there's so much Marshall memorabilia. The atmosphere is just great. I don't want to call it a college bar because all ages go in, but it's just the place to go. So, yeah, it's still there. It still stands. That's fantastic. How about the little donut shop where we used to go after the union at like 3 in the morning to get fresh donuts? Uh, I can't remember the name. Yeah, that place didn't make it. Yeah, not so much. That um, There are some different Huntington institutions still around, though, so I'm sure we've got something you still remember. Uh, yeah, I mean, as long as the union is there, I, I would be golden. I, that's probably the only place I would go. <laughs> but uh, let's Really the only place you need to go. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, that's probably why I wasn't at Marshall as long as I should have been. But that's a different story for oh. a different day. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I know another reason why you're, you're probably not at Marshall, and unfortunately for you and me, since uh, you are a uh, proud member of the WMUL FM family, uh, Dr. Charles G. Bailey is probably going to be critiquing this podcast. Dr. Bailey, I don't know if you remember me because I wasn't there for very long, but hi, Dr. Bailey. And uh, how about, is Pete Coleman still around? No, Pete's not around. I know where he's at, though. He's doing pretty well. Good. Um, Actually, there's a lot of former people that you probably knew that are doing quite well. Marshall has this gem of a broadcasting program. I know we're kind of straying away from college football here, but Marshall has this gem of a program, and Dr. Charles G. Bailey is the faculty advisor. He is meticulous. You could not ask for a better faculty manager because he – let's put it to this way. He is a dynasty upon himself, and, and Chad, you probably remember this. WMUL wins college award after college award yeah. after college award, and the dynasty still continues today. Well, for, for those that don't know, the reason I went to Marshall was because outside of Syracuse, it's really the only other major sports broadcasting program in the country at the time, uh, back in the mid-'90s. And they were, I think at that time, they were the only radio station that, that had the rights to broadcast, uh, was allowed to broadcast games as a student radio station over the air. And the experience I got there is I was 17 years old when I got there and calling games with Chad Pennington and uh, being a, a, a regularly um, 
pushed around by Jim Donnan because that's the kind of wonderful guy that Jim Donnan was. Um, <laughs> he was. He did you get Did you get the Bobby Pruitt error? No, were you there I was, when Bobby came in. I was gone right before that. So I, Jim Donnan was the only one I had experience with, unfortunately, and he was. Uh, he wasn't very fond of the media. He, he that was, doesn't sound like the Jim Don and I know. I don't. I don't believe that. He was very difficult on me. I don't know, but I, I was. I had a, uh, <clears throat> a, a little show on WMUL that um, was with Billy Donovan at the time, which was you know it was brief, it was short, but you know at the time you didn't realize what that would lead to, um, and and became friends while I was down there with John Brannon. Uh, who was from Northern Kentucky, and we have remained close friends uh, throughout the past, you know, 20 plus years. And now, of course, John is the head coach at Northern Kentucky University, and took them to their first NCAA tournament. And that has been a, uh, a friendship that has lasted since my days in Huntington. And uh, had a great time down there at WMUL. And uh, if you ever see Pete Coleman, tell him I said hello. And uh, Jason, is Jason Toy still doing NASCAR? Jason Toy not only is still doing NASCAR, uh, if uh, he didn't have to go home and cut grass, his uh, <laughs> office is uh, just right outside of my studio that I'm in right here now. So uh, he still does the NASCAR at MRN. He's a program director for one of our country stations here at uh, Kindred Communications, which is the company I work for and he works for. And when he's not doing that, he's definitely uh, out working for MRN. And he does a fantastic job. we got to brag on him a little bit. All right. Well, that's enough time down memory lane. I'm sure the listeners are going, come on, get to football. But I have, exactly. to, I have to relive my Marshall days a little bit. I don't get to do it much up here uh, working in the Cincinnati media. But uh, Thundering Herd, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting week for Cincinnati this week because I think there is always an adjustment after you play Navy, especially early in a game. Um, you're so dialed in on trying to stop Navy, and it was a, 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 an a offense that they schemed to stop for throughout the preseason and, and had their eye on that game uh, just because of how difficult it is. Obviously, they didn't do a very good job of stopping it, but they spent a lot of time on it, and Marshall's a pass-heavy offense. It's going to be interesting to see, especially early, Paul, how that Cincinnati defense is able to, to get that out of their system and not have a little bit of a hangover from having to defend the triple option. I think a lot of people, Marshall included, we definitely here as a media contingency have decided to throw that film out. That game just does not count because these two teams, if you look at them, are very similar. I think what's going to maybe trouble Cincinnati a little bit is not Marshall's offense. I think Marshall's defense is going to be pretty active. If you look back at the Kent State game, Marshall was able to get to the quarterback early and often, and Marshall's had some success there. So this might not be an offensive showcase. This might be a defensive game. Dave? I wanted to start with the Marshall offense just because in looking at their first three games, I'm not I'm not sure what to take from it. Against Miami, the game they won, they only had 267 total yards and 59 yards on 25 carries, so they weren't real successful running the ball. The NC State game, they kind of jumped out on the Wolfpack pretty quickly, and then NC State kind of took over for about the last two and a half quarters, and the Kent State game was 7 nothing going into the fourth quarter. So... In the three games, what are some things that you've seen that has worked for them, and what are some things that they're still struggling with? 
I think if you listen to some of the players this week, Chase Litton, Marshall's thinks this team is maybe a few plays away from being pretty good. And there have been some miscues. If you look back at these games, Marshall's faced three really different teams. And you look at that Miami game, special teams won that game for Marshall. You look at the Kent State game, defense really won that game for Marshall until the offense got going. And, of course, NC State, you take away a great performance you, know, you don't want to look at that as, okay, you hung with NC State, you feel good about yourself, but you kind of have to. I think with the emergence of Tyler King in that last game, the freshman came out for 101 yards rushing. This is all second half. I think you're looking at an offense that's starting to finally find some playmakers. So I don't even think we've seen the real Marshall offense just yet because Marshall has won each game they've been in differently. And, yeah, they're two and one. Special teams has got to win. Defense has got to win. Maybe this is the game for Marshall fans that offense finally starts to put it together. Looking at the Kent State game, looking at some of the numbers, I noticed Marshall's really high up in the national rankings as far as sacks. I think they have 11 tackles for loss. They're up pretty high. They had seven sacks on 24 dropbacks against Kent State, which is a pretty ridiculous percentage. Is that more on Marshall's defense, more on Kent State's offense, who I think in three games, I don't even know, if, I think they scored three points against Clemson and nothing against Marshall. I don't know what they did in their second game. Or do you think it's a little bit of both and that number might be a little inflated based on Kent State? I think if you look at that Kent State game, you're going to see a different team. Kent State, their quarterback was, injured he wasn't a part of that game fully and so all of a sudden Kent State had to become a little bit more of a passing team I mean they still put it on the ground and ran but they threw a little bit more than I thought Marshall suspected and so I thought you saw just a different type of look from Kent State if they would have run that game just run 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 it might have been even tighter but I would say Marshall's defense probably stood out more than just what Kent State was doing. Because for a while, Kent State was really taking advantage of Marshall, and then Marshall was just finding ways to get in that backfield and really hamper their quarterback. Where's the area on both sides, if you're looking at it, from UC offensively against Marshall's defense and then vice versa, UC's defense attacking Marshall's offense? What are the areas you've seen in the first three games where if you were designing the game plan for UC, you would kind of focus your attention to? Well, you got to focus on Hayden Moore. If you're Marshall, you've got to see where he's at at all times. But I don't think you can key up on him totally because he was really effective. Even in that Navy loss, you look at the way he was able to distribute the ball. I mean, Navy was able to put up some silly numbers against Cincinnati as far as the the rushing attack is concerned, but I think the quarterback play is where Cincinnati is really going to thrive against Marshall and defensively. You know, I look for a really strong performance because we're getting back to regular football now. I mean, you guys mentioned it earlier. Navy, that's just a team. They're going to run that offense. You're going to see it once, and that's it until you play Navy again or if you play a Kent State. So you're not going to see that style of offense. And I really thought that maybe Cincinnati's game plan, they just didn't know how to defend that. I don't expect that here for Marshall. 
Marshall game is probably going to be a lot like playing themselves. And with Marshall, Chase Litton, you've got to stop Chase Litton. Marshall quarterback, he's what makes this team go. But he's got some weapons, and we mentioned the emergence of Tyler King. Tyler King, 101 rushing yards. That was unexpected. Now, I'm sure Cincinnati has seen that film now and won't be surprised by that. But you've got Tyler King to worry about. Also, if you're looking at the Marshall running attack, Keon Davis. You've got to count for him. He's definitely going to be a factor. And if you've got both of those guys, and keep in mind, if you keep Tyler out, maybe put him in with some fresh legs, because he did his damage in the second half. He had fresh legs, was able just to take advantage of Kent. But if you're using Keon, you're using Tyler, I think Marshall's running attack might be a little bit more challenging than thought. The big thing that we and we talked about this last night on your show, the big thing that I took away from the Navy game for UC was just the emergence of Hayden Moore in the wide receiver. They had not been on the same page uh, in the first three games. How has Marshall's pass defense looked? Is that something that we should look to possibly Hayden Moore and the receivers continue what they built off of Navy, or is this going to be you know, a harder, harder game from them in, from the passing standpoint? I don't know if it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be challenging, though, because where Marshall's going to be successful is getting to Hayden. Secondary is not terrible, not great, but not terrible. So that could be a place where UC could find some success, but I think it all goes back to if Marshall can account for everybody and then they can get to Hayden, I think it's going to be a little tough for Marshall. I'm sorry, it's going to be a little tough for UC to find success. And I'm going back to you know, my early thoughts. I think this is going to be more of a defensive game, really, just because you know, Marshall's offense, we've got to see if they can put some points up on that UC defense. And I give them a lot more credit than that Navy game shows. And with Marshall... They've got to account for Hayden. You've got to account for those wide receivers. But until UC can prove that they can really run the ball, I think Marshall might have the edge there. Marshall's going to get to Hayden. It might just be a matter of, okay, whose defense bends a little bit more. The strength for Cincinnati, Paul, defensively is their defensive line. How, how is the Marshall offensive front? And especially it's a little bit different than, than most for Cincinnati because a lot of their pressure comes from their two defensive tackles and Marquise, uh, Marquise Copeland and Cortez Broughton. How is the interior of that Marshall line especially? I'm going to say the jury's still out, only because I don't think, other than the Kent State game, I don't really think they got tested in, in that regard. Marshall has been really good about protecting Chase Litton. I still think the jury's out. But you look at the NC State game and you put the Miami and Kent State games you know, booked in on that, Marshall's offensive line didn't allow a sack against Kent State in, in that last game. And there was 43 pass attempts. And they've only given up two this season. And that's 116 pass attempts. And only two times has uh, the defense gotten to the quarterback. And they've only allowed two or fewer sacks. They're one of – six teams right now that have allowed two or fewer sacks. So I still think the jury's out just a little bit just because of the style of games that Marshall's been in. But I do think that that offensive line will give Chase some time. Go ahead, Dave. Just wondering, how do you think 
that the special teams play, obviously, in the Miami game, that was a, a huge deciding factor. Has that been a big a big proponent of Marshall's games in their other games, or was that just maybe a first-game thing that you know, they happened to break two kickoffs, or are they strong in that regard? How is just the Marshall special teams overall? That is a huge philosophy of Doc Holliday. He preaches special teams every week, every year. Special teams are important to him. I've heard him comment at times that he's judged a team based on special teams' performance because he is a huge proponent of that. And so when you've got a couple broken off in that Miami game, not really a surprise. There was one call back in the NC State game where Marshall would have had another kickoff for a return. So that is something that Marshall definitely keys on, not just when they have the ball, is when they're kicking off as well. So I would look for uh, maybe a big performance or two somewhere on special teams. Chad, you got anything? No, I think that for the most part covers it. I mean, obviously we know the, uh, the herd fans travel well. How many of you guys think will be headed up uh, the double a highway to check out the game? That's a good question. I'm going to say maybe two or 3000 at least. It is a really close game and Marshall's athletic director, Mike Hamrick has really been a proponent of scheduling regionally scheduling teams that Hurt fans can go see. Obviously, double-A highway, two and a half hours, give or take, depending on how you drive. It's a really easy journey for Hurt fans, and I don't think that the Hurt fans are going to be shy on this team just because this team's a lot better than where a lot of people pick them. Some people, media included in Huntington, wasn't truly giving Marshall a chance against Miami. That was a game that fans and certain members of the media circled. This was the must-win. Game one, must-win this game. Season is on the line. Doc Holliday's career on the line with this Miami game. And after Marshall won that, played well at NC State, came back, got the win, not pretty, but got the win against Kent State, I think there's some buzz starting to come back for Marshall football where this game, they're going to equal their win total of last year. And we could be talking about a Marshall team that's 3-1 and one going into a conference game with Charlotte that's a winnable game. And I think that's got a lot of fans excited coming back to Marshall football. Plus, again, it's a, it's an easy trip to get to. Uh, I don't know how it's going to be sellout or not, but I know a lot of fans are probably interested in, in seeing what the renovations look like because I know Cincinnati has put a lot of money into renovating Nippert. And from what I understand, you guys have still got that – charm of what Nipper was all about, because it's really neat. When I've been there, it's right there in the middle of campus, and, and that's just a great venue. It's, it's very interesting now when you, when you walk in, because it still feels like an old stadium until you look at the press box, and it gives it like this updated, modern kind of architectural dynamic feel to the, to the, to the stadium, and you still have that historic built into the middle of campus feel of it. Uh, it, it's, I think now that it's been up for a couple of years, we kind of take it for granted, but I know that first season, every time I walked in there, I was just like, man, it, it's amazing how this place looks. And they redid the video board this off season. Uh, so it, it's a full large screen video board without the, you know, led displays on it. Like it used to be in the past. So 
uh, I think everybody from Huntington will have a great time uh, and heading up to the game and, and taking on uh, what should be hopefully two improved teams that are that are looking to have a better season than maybe some expected. Yeah, it should be a, a fun game. I really expect a close game. I'm pushing for the defenses here. I could be wrong. Marshall could find Tyree Brady, and next thing you know, he could break another 75-yard run. Chase Litton finds him, boom, deep threat there. Or you could see Tyler King come out again and maybe extend what he's able to do. 101 rushing yards, that is a rarity for Marshall. There hasn't been a a hurt football player in 40 years to show up with a 100-plus yard debut. So a lot of people are excited about him. Plus, we really haven't talked about Keon Davis as much. Keon, the one who really keyed the special teams scores in that Miami game. So I'm expecting some big plays here, but at the end of the day, this could be maybe a 17-14 game. I'll go so far as 21-17. Unless, of course, the defenses just break down, then you guys are going to have fun all day. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks a lot, Paul. We're talking to uh, Paul Swan, Program Director, ESPN 94.1 FM, uh, Cat Sports 93.3, and uh, the, the host – for First Century Bank Sportsline, host for the Don Nealon and Bob Pruitt Show, and uh, just a, a media socialite in Huntington, West Virginia. Man, you guys and, are too uh, kind. Uh, I do appreciate that. You guys are kind. <laughs> uh, I've got to give a shout-out, though, since um, you know, since we're, we're talking about fun things in Huntington and Cincinnati. I've got to give a shout-out to a good friend of mine. Uh, you guys need to listen to 1480WDJO. The program director of that radio station is a good friend of mine and an important part of my career. After Dr. Bailey, my next mentor was Tony Bender, the program director of that station. So uh, I wanted to give him a shout-out as well and tell all the Cincinnati uh, area fans, hey, listen to WDJO. And this is not a paid message from Tony, so I'll just let you know there now. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, Paul. We appreciate it, man. Appreciate and, it. Uh, have, a safe, have a safe trip up on uh, Saturday. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you, Paul Swan, joining us from Huntington, West Virginia, to talk a little Marshall football. Um, I, I, you know, he makes some interesting points, Dave. I think the biggest thing for me, I need to see this team have a good first quarter. Yeah, that would be nice. It's the, it's the fifth game of the year. We, they're not going to beat too many teams the rest of the season if they're just putting themselves in a ten nothing, fourteen nothing hold to start the game. Yeah, I mean that that it's been very frustrating. I'm not like you you have yourself in situations against two teams that you're the underdog in both Michigan and and Navy and you're down 14 nothing in a blink and you're just it's such an uphill fight from there. Yeah, and you know, they they played, you know, until the very end. They pretty after that 14 Points they spotted Michigan, they played them toe-to-toe, and, you know, I'm not saying coulda, woulda, shoulda, but, you know, we're right with Navy the whole game after they spotted them 14 points. So, yeah, I, you know, it's just a, I don't know, I'm not sure what it is, you know. Is it play calling? Is it execution? Is it a combination of both from an offensive standpoint? And then, you know, defensively, I I didn't really see much of the Navy game at all. I was in Michigan for two weddings, lucky me, 
on Saturday. In the same day. In the same day. Uh, I did listen, You're an idiot. did listen to the game, thanks to some app, a tune-in app, I think, or whatever, while I was driving around. But, yeah, you can't go three and out on your first two drives against Navy and then let them just march down the field like it's a, you know, inter-squad scrimmage in the middle of April and think that on the road against a team that's good, you're going to just all of a sudden, yep, all right, now we're here to play and win the game. It makes it very difficult, and I'm tired of things being difficult on themselves. Yeah. And let's... It, it would be nice to be up 14 to 10 at the end of the first quarter, 10 to 7 at the end of the first quarter, instead of having a fight from a 14 nothing deficit. So don't that's be, one area. Of don't be down two I'm scores, really. I mean, <laughs> right. I want to. I want to win. I want to be up. Yeah. Indeed. If they're keeping, if they're keeping score, score, I want to win. We're here to win. Damn it. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about today, my friend? Ah. Uh. No, I just think I I kind of touched on it a little bit in the interview is just the offense getting what seemed to be, uh, well, compared to the other games, in a much better place. The running game's still uh, struggling a bit, but, you know, Hayden Moore was definitely on his game more than any other time this season. The receivers were on their game. Uh, they might have found a deep, a, more of a deep thread in J.J. Pinckney. Uh, they're still working that screen game uh, very well, which I think, based on Marshall's pass rush, might be something that they can use, whether it's the tunnel screens that they've now scored multiple touchdowns on or screens to the backs. It, that's the way to slow down a pass rush. And it's definitely part of their offense. So that's something that I'll be looking for. But, I mean, the defensive game last week, I don't think there's really a whole lot to talk about. It was a poor performance, whether it was scheme, whether it was execution. It doesn't matter. You give up that many rushing yards, it's on everybody. So something wasn't right. Adjustments weren't made. Guys weren't getting off blocks. You know, the whole nine yards. But – you know, like we kind of talked about, they're not going to see that again. I mean, Marshall's not going to run anything like that. No one else this year is going to run anything like that except Tulane, kind of. But And they do it out of the shotgun. Right. It's a different deal. And UC's run defense, outside of a couple runs against Michigan, I think has been you know, quite good. So it'll be interesting to see. Marshall has struggled running the ball. I know Paul mentioned their freshman coming in against um, – Kent State. Kent State, who is terrible. Let's just let's get that out there now. Like, they are awful. So that's why I asked him about the seven sacks. Is, is that a product of just overmatching a team that, especially with their backup quarterback and throwing the ball more than they planned on going into the game, they're not a passing team. Um, is that more because of that or more because of, of the defensive line? I'm sure it's a little bit of both, but that has to be – factored into it so you know obviously going to be looking to see the running game can that get going will Mike Boone play uh and can Hayden and the receivers build off of what they did last year or last week I'm sorry you want to talk any basketball at all do you want to to, to touch on anything or you are you are you scandaled out 
I'm I'm not scandaled out. I just like it's just kind of one of those things now where I don't really care. Like I I just the whole thing is is kind of funny to me. Patino and I actually don't mind him. Like everybody, like so many people in this area, whether you see or Kentucky fan, you hate him. I, I, I try not to like. The only coach I really hate is Kevin Ollie, but like I just find why, it, Dave? Why do you hate? Why would you hate Kevin? You can't possibly hate Kevin Ollie. Why, Dave? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I just find it funny that you can be as. Six, I was making the Kevin Ollie face while yeah, I was doing that. So there's, there's someone shitting my birthday cake face. <laughs> I just I don't understand how you can be as successful as he's been in many different walks of life and not know anything about anything. I know more about his basketball program than he does, like, apparently. And I know that that's maybe, like, the thing he's supposed to say. Oh, I don't know what's going on. But, like, he has this just sanctimonious and, like, the way that he delivers it. And it's just like, we're going to get these these bad guys that were doing the I'm like, coach, come on. Like, you were showing no interest in Brian Bowen for a year and a half. And then all of a sudden, randomly in June, he commits to your team. Are we After four days of involvement. We're just supposed to believe that he just, oh, Louisville's interested? I'll go there. Like, I, it just, it's, it's crazy to me. And it's it's going to keep going with other. I mean, like just while we've been talking, Alabama fired a guy. Uh, Miami's been issued some letter. Alabama. Yeah, Alabama fired some coach or staff member just now because of all this. The SEC commissioner called an emergency meeting of all SEC head basketball coaches for tomorrow. Um, yeah, so this isn't anywhere done, but like. The two things that it tells me is about Louisville in particularly is that Patino is just full of it because you can't possibly, like, not know what's going on when it comes to stuff like this. I find that very hard to believe. And two... The guy at Bama... Go ahead. And two, they're terrible, terrible cheaters. Terrible. Awful. Like, Rick Patino is the worst cheater in the history of the cheat game. And they're the most the worst. they're the most brazen, either they're the dumbest or the most <clears throat> just as we've talked about, the Louisville Athletic Department motto for 2017-18 is zero F's given. Because you can't get sanctions brought on to you by the NCAA for your exotic dancer thing on June eleventh and then be sitting in a hotel room in Vegas on July twenty seventh with Adidas, talking about how we're going to pay this 2019 kid. Yeah, that's like cheating on your. That's like cheating on your wife, and a month later, inviting the girl you cheated with on your wife over for dinner. For family dinner with your kids. I mean, it's like, how dumb can you be with other people in the room who were ended up being informants who were wiretapped and videotaping it, and then he stands up there and says that he's done nothing wrong and then drops the line of all lines today when he's leaving the facility and tells the reporters that they, that they can't be on this property. Like of all the things that come out of a coach's mouth, 
at that time, I could think of nothing, or I could think of, sorry, I don't have any a comment, but he dropped the, sorry, guys, you, sh- you really shouldn't be on this property. <laughs> Where does he even come up with um, something like that? The guy from Alabama is Kobe Baker. He was a uh, assistant AD, and before his job at Alabama, he was the director of enforcement for basketball development. Yeah. Uh, after an internal review, no SEC or NCAA rules broken, but Hoops Administrator Kobe Baker has resigned. Well, then why did he resign if nothing's, if nothing's happened? Yeah. Wow. It's interesting stuff, man. It's very interesting stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a shame. I don't like seeing any of – I just don't like seeing – People do that, especially at these type of schools. Like, you know, you're talking about Louisville, who brings in more money than any basketball program in the country. You're talking and it's about, not close. No, you're talking about, you know, Miami, Florida is in the ACC, Alabama is in the SEC. These schools have such an inherent advantage, even over schools like UC. I mean, that. For them to do stuff like this, I think that's kind of the the part that bothers me the most is when you you don't need to do it. Like, you don't need to take that chance. But I guess, you know, it shows you who can actually coach and who can actually recruit because, you know, you got Chuck Person that's looking at 88 years in prison and Auburn still can't, you know, field a team worth of crap. <laughs> so... I don't know. I, I think it's it's a bad deal. I'm not. I don't want to say I'm glad guys got caught, but if that means that it maybe at least for a little bit evens the playing field, then then I'm all for it. And, and I just want to say, I've taken a lot of heat for this over the years. I try to be very honest with our members. I try to tell them what is going on as it's going on to the best of my ability. There have been a lot of people that have that have not believed me when I've said UC has backed off of a kid because things got shady. There were four kids that UC was previously recruiting that this happened with specifically that are involved in this situation. I know it like as a fan, it's tough to grasp the fact or, or, or understand the fact, especially before this happened, when people really didn't have a full um, understanding of the what was happening, why it was happening, how it was happening. I think there's a better understanding now. And, and I, I want to remind people, when Mick got into this business, he worked for Sonny Vaccaro. He knows who the dirty people are. He's been around all of that filth. He knows exactly how that stuff goes down, and he knows when to get out. And what we saw yesterday verified his instincts on this, his ability to read these situations, his ability to say, well, I know we spent a lot of time on that kid, and I'd really like to stay in on him, but it's going where we can't go, where we don't want to go as a program. There are things involved that we don't want to be involved with, and we're out. And you cut ties, and you walk away, and you find another kid. And if you don't believe me on that stuff now – 
I don't know what else to tell you. Because <laughs> there's one in Arizona. There's one in the 2018 class. There, there's, there's a couple more that I don't want to implicate yet because their names really haven't gotten out in terms of what player they are and what program they're in. Um, but there was four guys on that list out of 13 guys that, that this happened and where UC backed off because of this stuff started going on, and once it started going on, they, they walked away. Be thankful you have a coach that does it the right way. If you had a coach that did it the wrong, if you had a coach that did it the wrong way, guess what? There'd have been UC would have been right in the crosshairs on this bad boy yesterday, and they weren't. Oh yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm fine with the way things go. Um, I think everyone's very much looking forward to basketball season. Do you do you have a are we making a prediction on the game Saturday? Because since I was right and you were wrong last week. Yeah, we always make a prediction on the game Saturday. Go well, ahead. Not just so everybody knows, the tailgate is starting earlier this week, if that's the prediction you tuned in for. And the tailgate is starting earlier because the weather is going to be so nice. So where would you like to set the over-under at for this week? I'm going to set the over-under for this week. It's going to be like 71, sunny, and perfect, right? Yeah, like off, optimal beer drinking weather. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. Like, I understand that, like, that's the, the right, the, a great temperature for beer drinking weather, but isn't, like, 86 perfect beer drinking weather because you get a little, a little hot, you get a little more thirsty, See, uh, they go down a little faster? I think, no, because I, I think the, the, the hotter, like, the extreme, when it gets too hot, then you get, like, Well, le- I said, like, 86. That's too hot like 86. for me. Then you get, like, lethargic, and you, your drinking slows down. All right, I'll go. I'll go ten and a half and take the over. Mm, let's see, we're going to be there. At, we're supposed to leave at three, so that gives me a solid three and a half hours. Yeah, I don't know. That's gonna. I think I can do it, but uh, it might be a tough one. <laughs> well, does this does this count like a, a beer or two after the game back at the car? No, usually none after, but definitely during. And, and then there's you also have to factor in all the Jello shots. Your family loves Jello shots, which, I I'm, which I'm sure will be green this week since we're playing Marshall. They're usually What's this the, week's theme. Uh, I don't you think you always do a theme. We hit you the, always do a theme that's similar to the opponent. Are we doing like elk or something like? No, we haven't done a we haven't done a real theme yet this year, like an actual like. Uh, so I don't know what the tailgate is this week. I'm just in charge of bringing the beer. That's all I know. As long as the cookies are there, I'll be there. Uh, those those cookies, holy cow! For anybody listening, the roof of Campus Garage or Campus Green Garage, come up anytime. We're right on the corner, right when you walk out the door on the on the top level. Come over, get some cookies. They are insane. Very very good, very good cookies. So, what, what's your game score prediction? <sighs> I got the, I got the Bearcats in this one. I think being back at home uh, for the first time in a month, uh, uh, you know, optimal football weather as well. Uh, I think I think they'll put the defensive issues from last week behind them, 
I think the offense will keep it going, and and I got the Bearcats. I'm gonna say like by ten. What you got? Twenty four fourteen. I think it's gonna 17. be. A, I think it's like a. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go like twenty seven seventeen thirty one twenty one something in that range. I'm going twenty four twenty one Bearcats. There you go. I think. I think that's. I think that's my. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit. I, I agree with Paul a little bit that their defenses are a little bit uh, underappreciated for both teams, um, and I think I think Cincinnati's offense is just, finally you're getting Devin Gray and Khalil Lewis and it, hopefully Thomas Geddes as well. You're, you're starting to get some of those guys on the same page. You're starting to work in some of the other guys. <clears throat> so I, I'm going 24-21 Bearcats. It's going to be a fantastic night at Nippert Stadium. We've got, what, two more to go to get a, a full season of Nip at Night? Yeah, because we've already got uh, UCF next week at 8 o'clock, and the Temple game is a Friday nighter on ESPN. So it's it's SMU and UConn, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say this that sat- game's not Saturday. At I'm gonna, the, um, the limb, I think, is pretty strong. That the Saturday after Thanksgiving against Storrs University – will not be a night game. Yeah, I think you're right on that one. The only way I see that is 7 o'clock on, like, CBS Sports or whatever. Um, they, Shout out to CBS Sports. Did you uh, – you didn't get to see it. No, I, I have not little, seen We got it. a little what, – About what time little, during there, the game did it did it happen? The time I noticed it was in the – I think it was in either late third or early fourth quarter. They put the uh, – for all your Cincinnati football – uh, information, go to BearcatJournal.com. Hopefully nice of them. That was. It was very nice of them. But, so, I mean... I think that's going to be an option for any game that's on CBS Sports Network. Well, I mean, I could definitely see the at East Carolina game being on there. And honestly, I mean, as bad as last year was, they put us on there against Memphis at home when there were like 14 yeah. people there for a night game. That So, who the heck knows? <laughs> we'll see. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks to Dave. Thanks to Paul Swan. Check out the basketball podcast from yesterday with Brian Snow and Bobby Reagan. I've got a skinny podcast that we are recording tomorrow because I haven't talked enough about the college basketball scandal. Uh, So I'm going to do it some more. So it's podcast week because of the big news in the NCAA. Yeah, so you can talk about that for three straight days. I'm sure you won't want to uh, pull your hair out for that one. Well, I think tomorrow actually should be fun because we'll, oh, well a couple days. Skinny will Skinny will be great. He'll be yeah. great because you know he'll just go in on Patino the whole time. Well, I, I think the nice part about tomorrow, doing it tomorrow, is we're a little bit removed from everything, so there's not as much like information that needs to be shared. Like that's why I did the podcast last night because I knew those guys had a bunch of information and I had a bunch of information on what was actually You're right. Now it can just be and like I, and opinion I, and what's next. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be a different, uh, a different style podcast tomorrow. And if I know those two idiots, I know we're going to have some fun with it. Oh yeah. I, I think it'll be a, a pretty fun yeah. show tomorrow. So check out that uh, probably sometime tomorrow, early afternoon, we're recording in the morning. So check for that on the site. But uh, thanks to everybody for listening in. I know we're, uh, we're asking you for a lot of podcast hours this week, but uh, we appreciate it. Again, thanks to Paul Swan. Thanks to Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brindle. We'll see you next time. 
It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.